What is going on, everybody? This is episode 11. Today, I brought on someone you may or may not know, but I feel like it's someone who is big in the community, um, big in art, and it's someone that will slowly but surely become a household name. Um, F. Dot. Eric, you know, how you doing, brother? Doing well, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for doing this show. This is awesome. Oh, no problem, man. Um, you know, I've been a big fan of your art uh, for a while. So just having you on here is like, you know, kind of mind blowing to me. Whenever I talk to people like you, Vinnie Hager, just seeing your guys work, I think it's unreal. I've been someone who has tried to paint. I've tried to draw and it does not come out nothing like you guys. So just to see that, you know, that skill, it's such a beautiful thing, man. It's really uh, an honor to get to do this for a living. And I really love what I do. Um, I hope that comes through whenever you see it. Uh, and yeah, a pleasure to connect with you too. I'm excited to chat. Hell yeah. So yeah. before we jump into everything today, I do want to speak on some, some big community things that have been happening. So, I mean, Cool Pets, they got pushed back a little bit, two days, um, just so they could tweak their code. Um, that was a great thing to see from them. And you also got our buddy Dose, who was on the previous episode. We actually talked about Crypto Ray Race, his project. That was super fun. And believe it or not, last night we had like a six-hour spaces. And um, big congratulations to Dose for selling out his project. That was just like a, a super big thing. But... um. To, to jump in with FDOT today, man, so I know me personally, I know you've been an artist for the last 12 years. Um, for those that don't know, uh, me and me and him t uh, spoke a little bit before this started, and we just ran through some things that he's done, you know. He is a Drexel graduate. He is a visual artist based in Brooklyn. Uh, he's been doing this for 12 years, you know, since 2012. Um, he's worked with very large brands, uh, Google. MTV, Food Network, Coca-Cola, Heineken. I mean, these are you know, huge names. Um, you know, he, he currently has one piece listed on a foundation still uh, that he listed on his 31st birthday. So I think that's kind of a special piece. Uh, definitely would grab it if I had the money. But yeah, you know, FDOT's just been around the community, not only in this community kind of NFTs, but literally in art for a while. This isn't just an artist that popped up. So... Uh, F dot. Is there any way that you can maybe talk us through how you got started in the NFTs from doing your basic traditional art? Yeah, sure. I can share that journey a little bit. So you covered some most of the stuff uh, that brought me here. You know, studying graphic design. There were a few different jobs that I had throughout my career that really helped me develop my style and my taste in art. Uh, one of them was working for MTV. Another one was working for WeWork when they had their big rise and fall. Um, but I learned so much from that experience about making fine art because, you know, I studied graphic design where it was more about solving a problem. And it was through that those years of working at WeWork for about three and a half years that I developed my fine art practice on the side and I had a lot of inspiration from other artists. So using all that experience, I brought that into another project over the last two years. And that's how I kind of discovered through this one other project was how I fell into the NFT community. Uh, the project I'm talking about is the, the baseball card project. So the last two years I've been making these collectible cards and uh, working directly with tops to put them out, get them approved by MLB and everything. So they're official. 
and people kept comparing the NFTs to baseball cards, saying that you know baseball cards are a niche market, NFTs are a really niche market as well, and people love to collect them. It's a whole economy happening. And I first learned about NFTs by linking up with one of the creators of Foundation. We were just on an email chain. We got hooked up from a friend of ours. It was right when he was starting Foundation. And I was just not really understanding much of the concept at all because I wasn't deep into crypto either at the time. Uh, but I kept thinking about it and doing more research and learning and seeing the successes of other artists. So I was on Foundation very early and that's where I ended up minting my first piece as a collaboration with my friend Stefan. We kind of entered the world together. Uh, our first piece was an animated work called In My Head, In Your Head. And it was really just about that feeling of entering a brand new space and feeling in your head about it. A really honest sort of mental health theme, um, checking in with yourself, you know, not feeling too lost in your own head because it's a universal feeling. That was my first entry. Then I did a few more one of ones after that. Um, really tried to just meet as many people as I could. NFT NYC happened around this time. Did my first collection of 10 pieces on OpenSea. Called, it was called Open Minds, a similar like abstract style. And it's just been like running since then. I've done a couple other drops since then and um, really enjoying all the challenges and also just the way that you can learn quickly in this space. You, know, you put something out, you get feedback, you, you iterate from there. It's very a fast learning curve. Bro, that's, that's super cool. And I mean, like I said, for me, someone who um, even collects trading cards, um, you know, just seeing your work for all this time is, has been crazy. You name these places like WeWork, um, MTV. If if you could pick one of them, what was one that you really enjoyed working with? And if you could, maybe why you enjoyed working with that one so much, if you could pick one of the favorites. Yeah, yeah. So those were full-time jobs, like a regular nine-to-five uh, schedule. Comparing that to the top's work, which is freelance, you know, it's still a lot of work on both ends. But it was two years ago, two and a half years ago that I left WeWork. And I think that's the one that I had the most fun working at because it was really this exponential growth of a company that I got to experience. And I went from being like their tenth, ninth or 10th artist that they had on staff. And then eventually they had like 55 artists on staff. And I don't know about you, but I don't know any other companies that have 55 full-time artists like drawing and painting and making original work to be put in these spaces around the world. So it was just a really cool challenge, a lot of space to fill with art. It was always just, all right, let's get this project up and then move on to the next one and get feedback and keep improving the product. And you know, they were they were paying for us to to travel around the world and paint murals. So it was a dream job for me to to do that. That wasn't all the time. It was like every couple months that would happen, but it was always something to look forward to and it was what it was able to get my mural skills and portfolio to where it is now was that job and uh just one more thing about murals like as much as i love digital art i think i'm always going to paint physical work and make murals i just love working with my whole body being outside getting to connect with people see how they interact with it because it's it's public art you know once it's out there people will do what they will with it right it sort of belongs to the to the world at that point in a way so I love, I love murals and, and part of why I love that job at WeWork was because they had me painting so many murals and um, gave me a lot of confidence in my own work too. Well, I can, I can personally tell you how many companies I know that have 50 plus uh, artists working for them and the answer is zero. 
Um, <laughs> so, I mean, that's super cool. You know, I've, I wasn't even aware of WeWork before um, looking into your history. So that's another reason why I love doing these podcasts and having people like yourself on here, you know, learning about these things and learning about <clears throat> what brings someone up. And you said that, you know, you traveled around the world. I could really bounce all over this podcast with things that you've done. But I know, um, like I said earlier, you've been doing mural work since around 2018. Um, and I, I told you your Coca-Cola Times Square, um, I guess you would say it was a billboard because it was in Times Square, but that was mm-hmm. amazing. Like just the colors of it. And was WeWork the reason why you went to Monterey, Mexico to do the rooftop football court? Yeah. So that was one of the bigger projects that I did for WeWork in Mexico. Um, my position at WeWork went from senior designer to um, art director of the Latin America team. And I actually lived down in South America for a year and a half in Argentina and then going to Mexico a bunch for WeWork and helping them expand and grow their team, uh, eventually having like a self-sustaining design team there. But I helped to grow that and that was why I was in Mexico. Um, yeah, and one more thing about WeWork that I forgot to, for- to mention was just seeing the art and how it impacts people's lives on a daily basis. Like they go to spend so many hours a day in these offices. And you know, even though we're still in pandemic times, people are using these co-working spaces. And I, I hear from people who are still enjoying the art that we made in those days, you know, even though WeWork isn't quite what it was when I was there. Um, I love that feeling of just getting to see people directly benefiting from the art in terms of an atmosphere. Like art makes your day a little bit better when you have something to take a break and go enjoy in your space. So that was one of the things I loved about it. And that was, yeah, that was the reason why I traveled around Latin America so much. Yo, that's super cool. You know, big shout out to WeWork, you know, actually looking into your um, history, you've been all, all around the world. Um, I, I wouldn't say all around, but you've been a, a lot of places, you know, you studied abroad in Prague, uh, Czech Republic for Charles University when you went there, I think around 2010 or something like that, maybe a little bit later. But um, no, you you've really went everywhere, and that's why I uh, mentioned the football, uh, the football court on the rooftop, man, because it's such a beautiful, beautiful thing. Whenever I was looking, I saw this picture of you laying down, and I was like, "Yo, this is a big piece. What is this?" I did a little bit more research, and I was like, "Yo, this is a football court on a rooftop. This is beautiful." And if those um, listening would like to see it, um, you could literally go to Google and type in f dot e f d o t. And um, it, it should be the first link of uh, his website. And you can look at his murals, his NFTs. And um, he even has an NFT currently uh, listed on foundation called Blob Day and Night. And uh, I mentioned that it was listed on his 31st birthday. And it's an animated piece uh, of his signature Blob character in a state of relaxed contemplation, as he listed. Um, but like I said, it's on f- uh, foundation at a very, very respected um, reserved price. If I had the money, I would have done put it on there i'm not gonna lie to you but no man it's it's super cool uh i did want to ask you real quick how did you manage to um work with tops i know you said that you know you've been doing the project 2020 and you did some more cards after that you even had the blob companion cards so um how did you manage to to get in there with tops and, and get those cards you know i don't know uh what it was that made them reach out to me but i think someone from their team had been following me for a few years and you know I've been doing this a long time and building my my connections my reputation especially in New York because I'm from 
just outside of New York City. So my name gets around and I, I hear from people that they want to work with me, but they don't have the right project yet. And then every once in a while it comes up. So I think with Project 2020, it was just like good timing, knowing people. I can't, re- I don't really know exactly how I got it, but they reached out to me kind of a cold email saying that we've been following you for a while and we want to do this project with you. And I, I, I owe so much to that project because now um, I have like thousands of people that have, have a card from me. And I, before that, I didn't have a collector base that was that large at all. You know, I had prints and canvases and my mural clients and stuff. But now I have a product that tops distributes for me that gets into the hands of thousands of people. And I'm just really appreciative for, for that. That's crazy because how tops reached out to you is like how I felt reaching out to you as someone having a small podcast. I was like, yo, I, I got to really take a shot in the dark here and like try to hit up F dot. You know, this is someone who, like I said, I collect baseball cards. I was a baseball player. Um, and, and, and your AP cards, uh, which is artist proof for those listening in, um, them, them aren't cheap on secondary market. You know, you, you are a nice artist. You are illustrious. So, you know, it, it is crazy to know that, you know, you make these cards and, and people really enjoyed it. You know, you made arguably some of the some of the best cards and you were up there with 40, what was it, 20 or 40 talented, super talented art, uh, artists. So to see you get that recognition and then come into the NFT space and be so open, welcoming, you don't have an ego, you're super, super humble. I just love that about you, man. That's super cool. So I got to say big shout out to you for that. Dude, thank you, thank you. Um, the timing of everything has been very crazy. You know, like I committed to the Project 70 cards last year, right at around the time that I was just learning about NFTs, and a lot of uh, a lot of artists in the Tops project have kind of fallen off, and they just jump into other projects or they go full force into NFTs and kind of leave behind the Tops project. But for me, I wanted to make sure that that. But that opportunity was done right. Like, I don't half-ass anything I take on, even if it takes me longer than I expect it. Uh, I hope that those cards that I, I put so much love into, like, just go on to be cherished for generations of, of time because they are physical. It's, like, harder to lose. And, you know, it's not just, like, some other thing in your digital wallet. Like, it's a thing that takes up space, too. Um, so, I don't know. I think that it's going to be interesting to follow how the impact of this project goes forward because... The whole collectibles hype, you know, it comes comes in waves. Ten years from now, I think we'll be looking back at this time in a really interesting way. And I, hopefully, I'll be glad that I did things the way I did. You know, putting that blob cards as well onto the blockchain. I wanted that that to sort of denote the the time that I spent working on, in collectible cards because it won't be forever. You know, um, doing a, a whole collection of NFTs inspired by the Tops project was like a risk, but I'm really glad that it's out there now and. Um, that I'm using that as a foundation because I think it's a unique foundation for an, uh, the rest of the NFT stuff I'm going to do. No, I'm super excited for the rest of the NFT stuff you're going to do. Not only NFT, but physical work, rather to mural, painting. I don't care if you're just drawn on a napkin, bro. I can't <laughs> wait to see it. Um, so I, I love hearing all your positivity. Like I said, you're so humble. And uh, I think you are setting a, a beautiful trail for um, you know what you will leave behind whenever that day comes, you know, and so just to see it and, you know, I as doing my research, I learned a little bit, um, you know, shortly after you finished design school, you lost your apartment and everything you owned 
to a devastating fire. Now, that was something that was like crushing to read for myself. And I apologize if that brings up anything um, negative. So I, I do want to say, F. Dot, to, to know that you've put in so much work, to know that, you know, this means so much to you, like I know it does. Um, was Did you use that maybe as a sense of motivation? Because once that fire happened, you could have just quit. You could have just gave up and been like, you know what, maybe that's a sign and I'm done, you know. But you you literally kept going like you didn't let that stop you. What was that like for you? It was a really intense time for sure. Uh, a lot of change, a lot of distraction from what I thought I was going to be spending that season doing. It was just like getting my life back together, you know, feeling comfortable in a, in a home. After that, it took a while. And of course, like I was home during the fire too. So there was some crazy, you know, like every time I would smell smoke after that, I would just like be like, kind of, sh my heart rate would shoot up every time I smelled, smelled smoke. So I was definitely scarred by it. Uh, but one of the things that came out of the fire that I wasn't expecting was like, I was able to go back through and check and see if anything was usable. And there were a few things that didn't get completely destroyed. Uh, but it was a pretty gnarly scene to, to see. One of the things I did find was like digging through my office area, like all my art supplies and my computers and cameras were shot, like I couldn't salvage those. But my scanner that I had been using was still sort of intact and like only damaged a little bit and I like pried open the scanner and I found a drawing that I made uh, during that time and it said Optimist. So one of the pieces, one of the things that made it out of the fire was my art and it said Optimist on it. So that, I took that as a sign that I needed to keep going and, and that my work did have impact on others and it had value. And so I just took that design, that Optimist sketch and I refined it. I turned it into everything like stickers, patches, prints, pins. Like I turned it into a whole merch line uh, back in 2014, 15. And I just gave it away for free for most people because a lot of people helped me after the fire. I got a lot of donations from friends. My brother made a whole like GoFundMe uh, for the, for helping me after the fire because we didn't we didn't have a good insurance policy that helped us out very much. So um, we had to restart over. And that Optimist brand that I built back then was like, okay, I, I'm on a good trajectory, and I just got to push through and keep creating and keep impacting people. And like that was really what carried me through. Yo, I wanted to like stand up and start clapping at my at my computer desk uh, because that was that was just beautiful, man. The fact that something I I, I didn't know much about this story, and for those listening in, um, this wasn't something that you know F dot shared with me in secret, and I just sprung it on him at the moment of the episode. Um, you know, I, I wanted to ask that in the most respectful way, and um, you know, I'm so glad that you were not injured majorly that you did not lose your life, anything major like that. But to hear that, I don't know, man, that's just a sign to me. And I'm sure it was a sign to you. Um, just, that's that's so crazy. Like, out of all things, you think about it, you know, you pry that scanner open and you see that. Um, and, and here you are today, man, you've never stopped. You've kept going. So I, I'm so glad to see that. And I'm so glad to see that you use that as a type of fuel um, dude, that, that just makes me like so happy. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely solidified that 
one of the gifts that I have is putting that feeling of optimism, that feeling of uh, connectedness, freedom, just creativity and play, like putting that, all those feelings that are so important to me into art and sharing that with other people, uh, that time really solidified that that's one of my gifts and that I gotta keep pulling that thread. Because after I put that work out there, that all the optimist swag that I had, the responses from people were just like, I couldn't shake them. I couldn't stop thinking about getting that feeling again out of more people, more and more people, because it helped them too. They would put it up on their monitor. And then the optimist was like a reminder that they can get through difficult things too. So I just try to bake that in, whether it's like really subtle in the color palettes that I choose now, because I, I do a lot of abstract work now and less, less like typography and lettering. Um, but that's always been there as a, as a secret ingredient. And thank you, man. Thank you for, you know, letting me tell the story. It's been over, it's been almost what eight years now. So I'm not scared to share it. It's it's probably like the most memorable story that I have. So I'm happy to share it. Good man. I'm yeah. so glad to hear that because yeah. I, I like I said I meant that in the most respectful way, and I love what came out of that. Just the fact because now I haven't even seen that logo that you're um, talking about, but I want it so bad. I want it so bad, like as a screensaver or something, because I use little signs like that to keep going. Um, there's been a lot of times in my life where I've wanted to give up, and it's just been that little sign. And it's like, you know, just hold on, you know, just keep going. So the fact that you have that, it, it's so beautiful. And I love that you try to bake it in into everything you do, because I love your art now. Uh, and I, I notice the subtleness and, and things like that. Um, and, and for those that don't know, before I forget, because I always do this, there is a POAP. Um, me and FDOT discussed before the episode about a POAP for this um, episode 11. And we decided we were going to do a little blob on the POAP that he's going to, you know, throw together over the weekend or something. Uh, but we do have a code for it. The code for it will be BLOB7. So, in all caps, you need to type in on the POAP app. Only on the app, iPhone, Android. You need to type in B-L-O-B-7. The letter, I said the letter, the number 7. So B-L-O-B-7, all caps. You put that in, we'll do, mm, is 75 cool with you, F dot? Do 77. 77, that's even better because seven's my lucky number. Um, 77, we'll do 77 POAPs. Um, two will be held back. Actually, yeah, two will be held back. Of course, one for me, one for F. Dot. I always hold one back for myself and the guest, um, of course. But yes, you can do that starting Monday when this airs, and you can claim your PO app, and that'll be you know a fun little gift. Uh, and I, and I can't thank you enough, uh, F. Dot, for allowing me to do this episode and the PO app with you, and you designing the the blob for it. Yeah, man. No, no worries. What else we got here? We got a little more time. What do you want to get into? Oh yeah, I'm I'm definitely not done here. Yeah, yeah. So, so I do I do want to ask for some listening in. I know that um, I would call you a, a traditional artist before NFTs, um, rather it be typography, you know, drawing anything. Is there anything you could say to maybe help people that listen in um, that were maybe once in your shoes and they're out there still at the traditional art? Hmm. 
and they're they're trying to enter NFTs, but they don't know how. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they're trying to enter NFTs, and they're like, man, I really enjoy what I'm doing. Like, if it's if it's not broke, why you know you know why do anything? Or maybe they just think, yo, I really want to jump in, but I have no clue how. Do you? Yeah. I mean, I know that's a big question to ask you, especially right on you know the spot. But um, m- maybe how you approached it, or maybe you know something like that. Yeah, I, I think one thing is I'm not here to convince anybody to do NFTs. <laughs> Some people ask me like, why should I do it? And I, I'm just saying, well, you know, here are the reasons why I did it. You can do whatever you want. You know. Um, yeah, can do- we hear your yeah. your reasons? Maybe that's what I should ask because you're absolutely right. NFTs are not for everybody. Some people might feel way more comfortable doing their art in their lane and they might never get into nfts and that's totally fine i respect that so what made you Mm -hmm. take that route well i was i got very used to seeing my art on the secondary market last year when i did the tops project 2020 um and there was a whole crazy hype phase where people were selling these cards that were retail for like 20 dollars, and they were going for like thousands of dollars on ebay and I wasn't getting anything from that sale at all, you know? So I got used to seeing people flip my work, which for the first time, you know, that wasn't happening very much with my screen prints or my paintings. And I was basically like, well, I got what I got paid in the beginning and now I'm on to the next artwork. And I think that once I dug a little deeper into NFTs and understood the royalty aspect of it, um, it, it made me realize that if I focus on this model, I can make more and better work and not worry so much about getting my like getting paid everything up front because I, I know that if I make enough pieces there's going to be secondary sales and I can rest a little easier knowing that the work I'm doing now is going to help me down the line too uh, instead of having to like because what happens if I break my hand like I'm screwed you know I can't make any more work there has to be a healing time where I'm still having some kind of passive income from my work um, so that was the main motivator. I won't lie. It's like really to free up my time to do better work. And that comes from having more recurring revenue from the royalties that come with NFTs. The other aspect of it is that like when you sell an NFT, you don't have to put a physical associated, a physical piece associated with it. It might just be a digital piece. So one of the things that I do at my studio is I do ship physical pieces. I, I'm fully aware of like the nightmare that comes along with shipping art. <laughs> It's like a whole logistics operation. I have, last year I had a team of five people working for me, uh, not full time, like most of them were part time, but I had like five people working for me to run this physical art business with, with the cards, the prints, the paintings and everything. And I think with NFTs, I'm, allow, I'm allowed to, and I can scale down my business, focus on uh, quality over quantity if, I, if I'm gonna do physical products at all. And then I, I don't. I can just move from one project to the next without without having to worry about that logistical nightmare. And some of the collectors they 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 like the physical, but they don't need it right away. That you know everyone's a little different with physic with how they value the physical. And I think it's just good to diversify. So instead of putting all my eggs in one basket of I'm just doing traditional art or I'm just doing client work or product sales or whatever, I do it all. I do a little bit of everything. NFTs are not the only thing I'm doing. Um, it's it's a huge focus for me as I enter the space and learn more about it every day. But it's it's just one other extra tool in my tool belt. And as much as I want to go all in on it, uh, I'm also still finishing up my agreement with Tops. So I'm doing a lot of stuff outside of NFTs and 
it's exciting to be in this transition. I wish it was, <laughs> I wish I could go more into it and be like, tell you everything I'm working on for 2022, but it's gonna be some NFT stuff and some physical stuff. Um, and I think I like the balance, honestly. No, that's good. And, and when you told me, you were like, bro, you know, I don't, I don't have a bunch of alpha to tell you. I was like, yo, that's perfectly fine. You know, this conversation is, is alpha in itself. I feel like because those who don't know you or may not know enough about you, I feel like this this conversation is really going to show like a, a lot of who you are as an artist and like what this space means to you. But not only the NFT space, just art in general, which is what I love. You know, I'm, I'm going to own a physical piece by you like it's it's just got to happen. Um, but I was thinking of, of questions like. I was like, I can't just end it now. I got to think of at least two, three more questions. So one thing I wanted to ask you with NFTs, we see a lot of people preach ownership. What does ownership mean for you in your work? Um, you know, whenever yeah. you I, I, I'm, I'm not an artist, so I don't know what it's like to go work with a big company. But I know that when it comes to NFTs. Um, you're your own boss. Like you're not, you're not on a time schedule. This is all you, you make the, you make the calls, you're the shot caller. Like, so what is that like? Um, what does ownership mean to you as an artist? Mm. That's a really good point to bring up because it was something that I neglected to share when you were asking me about why I got into NFTs that I, I shared with you originally why I got into NFTs, but as I learned more and more about it, I found that like, yeah, it's a revolution of artists being able to own their work in this way on a publicly viewable record that is the blockchain. So it's it's important to see that, where things came from, right? Just like with anything, when you look into where things come from, it makes you think differently about it. Um, so to me, ownership means m like clicking, like making the work and then clicking mint on my own contract which is something that's more and more standard these days. So it's a contract that I made and it's a piece that I made and I'm the one that's like bring, bringing it into the market myself. I don't need any intermediary person to help me out. That's like the true ownership of the process in my opinion. And I think it's so cool that years from now, I'll be able to look back and see how the pieces might've changed hands or who was holding it since the very beginning. And just having that record is so life-changing for being able to to contextualize like how we talk with with our collectors as artists yeah um, also owning your decisions like knowing when's the right time to put work out and how how big of a collection and how and how to price your work like we own all those decisions as difficult as they are it, we're writing our own story and we get to be as generous or as uh, exclusive as we want to be in a way or both in certain different ways, which is good. It's kind of an important balance that I'm finding. Um, yeah, what about you? Do you feel like that kind of sums up the idea of like ownership from, how do you feel about ownership as a collector in this new space? Yo, that's wild. I've done this podcast since November, never been asked a question and I love it. Uh, <laughs> so as far as ownership here, um, you know, it was a big thing for me because I had a lot of friends that didn't understand what it was. They were like, well, why do I want that picture? You know, I can I can just go get a picture. And I think I saw Quentin Tarantino talk about it. He didn't understand. Like, he was like, well, can't someone just go buy a poster of of my uh, my movie scene? And it's like, yeah, you can. But that poster is only nine, ten dollars for a reason. You know, there's there's multiple copies. Whenever I can show 
that this is the original, that is like a big thing for me. Because I think, who was it that, that said it? It was like, even Pablo Picasso was the one that said, um, good artists copy, great artists steal. Um, and I think it was easy to steal art at one point because there was no ownership. There was no proof. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, it was so easy. There's literally a man, and I forget his name, but there were many world-renowned people that could just copy art. But with the blockchain, you can't do that. Like, yeah, you could screenshot it and upload it on OpenSea and make it an NFT, but it's not an official NFT. It's not the real thing. So the fact mm-hmm. that I can go on there and see something, see who actually own it, owns it, see where it comes from, um, that's a big thing to me. Because, I mean, it's the same as owning an AP version of one of your cards. You know, I hold one of those and I'm like, yo, I know that F. Dot touched this. I know F. Dot signed this with his with his marker, with his hand. Um, it, so it's really cool. It's a sense of ownership and, and I love that. It's a big yeah. thing. And I'm, I'm, it's kind of crazy that you asked me a question. I'm still like starstruck <laughs> by that. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, it's all good. I think that's really cool that, you know, you feel that, you know, not everybody feels it. It's... It's collecting, I think, is one of the core human desires that comes along with being human, just like the things that you're born with. But some people feel it more than others, and some people collect in specific ways. And the amazing thing is that there are, there are enough people around the world that generally agree when an artist signs a piece of paper that it's legit, you know? Obviously, it has to be verified, or it has to be um, the, the actual original. But my point is, like, people still value the, the things that I value, the romantic part about having the original right it's 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 a feeling it's it's really that's what you're buying is it's a feeling it's when it's a physical object yes it's a, you're buying the physical object but the reason that goes behind that is it's the feeling and and, and i think that's been around for thousands and thousands of years like art isn't going anywhere uh it's a, it's the one of the things that stays when an entire society society crumbles right the art is still left there and so the feeling that art brings is just like something that brings me a lot of joy that i get to give that to other people and I'm glad to connect with someone who like really appreciates those details even when it comes to the physical and not just some, not just the blockchain verified stuff you know you still there Did I lose you nope nope I'm still here I actually went to went to unmute my mic and didn't even touch it uh, <laughs> I was too excited so the um, what I wanted to say was bro I have so much appreciation for for art before nfts like i mean i have a keith herring tattoo on my leg which is what makes me um really like vinnie hager he (laughs) he always laughs whenever i say that i see a comparison but um you know i i enjoy that work i enjoy line work more than anything and i was going to say the the sono collection mall in norwalk connecticut your piece is so damn beautiful and you have one um it was like black and white in a new york building do you know which one i'm talking about oh yeah yeah the usa sci-fi one dude that that is so mind-blowing because i like i guess would you call that uh, monochromatic yeah yeah like a line work style that one's monochromatic for sure yeah so that i'm a big fan of monochromatic work and seeing that looked crazy like i legit wanted that on my bedroom wall but just seeing you do those uh you know by hand i think that's just as talented as designing a card or making an nft so i mean i feel like people that do appreciate nfts if you're actually one of those people that appreciate it 
dude, check out F. Dot's work because you will be a big fan of it. Um, I'm sure many people have seen Klon do murals, Vinny Hager do murals, and and F. Dot is right up there. You know, he's been doing this for a long time, uh, and I, I can't stress enough that he's not someone that just popped up overnight. And I think that's why you will catch traction because everything about you has been organic. And that's what I love. Just like with the Crypto Ray Rays, you know, they've been around since August. They sell out yesterday. Was it a long time? Yeah, a couple months. But it's all organic. It was all love and it was all natural. Um, but I, I do want to close this with one good question that I should have probably started the whole episode off with, but I was just so anxious to get in here. So to end this, actually, I want to say, who is FDOT? Uh, and, I and, thought, I, yeah, go ahead. and I mean, I mean that to say maybe, I mean, you could throw in where the name F dot maybe came from, but if there's one thing or maybe one short thing that you wanted people to take away from this episode, what would it be? Why, why should they, I'm not even gonna say, why should they look into F dot? Because, you know, people can do what they want, but what do you want people to feel about you? Like, um, you know, you're an artist or, or this or that. I just wanted to know maybe your input on that. Mm. Yeah, so I think that one little anecdote I can share about who I am, what FDOT means to me. So my name's Eric Friedensen. My last name's Friedensen, which means son of freedom in German. And I always catch, I latched onto my name, even though it was long and hard to spell as something that identifies who I am because I do feel a sense of freedom when I create. So F dot is short is a shorthand for my name, Eric Friedensen. But when I think about F dot, I think of freedom. And if you have to imagine who F dot is, just imagine a 12 year old kid who picks up a skateboard and a camera for the first time and can make whatever the hell they want. And then they finally learn that this is, this is, the, this is a life that you can build of what you want you, when you take it, when you have that freedom. That's what it means to me. Yo, I like that. And that's that's what I get. For me, I look at artwork and I don't know if maybe I'm weird or if I'm just one of those people, but I, I do feel things, you know, I do feel a way. Now I'm not that person at an art gallery. Um, you see the common meme where it's just like a, a dot on the wall and everybody's just staring at it. Like, yeah, you do have those art critics, but there are pieces like um, the one that I mentioned earlier, uh, the blob day and night, them colors. Um, it's like a 30 second loop or something like that but it's just the sun coming up behind a blob and it just felt cool like it, it felt relaxing like if i had that in my room on a digital frame it, it just felt right like free like i don't know just loving and that's what i love about your work man i, I feel the freedom i feel the the positivity that you have and i can't encourage you enough to please keep going um you know, this this episode has taught me so much. Um, I've learned so much about you even after doing the research. And uh, I'm so glad that you came on here, FDOT. It's been a, a huge honor for me. Like I said, I've been a fan of your work before NFTs, um, even even before Tops. You know, I've, I've seen your work just because I'm a big fan of line work and try to look for people similar to Keith Haring. So I, I can't thank you enough for coming on here, man, seriously. Yeah, and you know, thank you for also seeing like the differences too, because like a line work style, like I'm like you, I, I when I see artists with a similar style, like I perk up, I like 
try to find all the cool little things that make their style different. And that's the thing about working like with minimalism and, and with line work is you're forced to focus on the few things that you're given and the subtlety of those, like the simplicity of it is what makes it interesting to me. And like you were just joking about having like a dot on a wall, you know, that's a statement. And just like when Keith Haring first started doing his work, like it was a statement and it was different from what, what everyone else was doing. So I just appreciate that you, you can see the subtlety in it and that you appreciate that same simplicity that we do. Um, super cool coming on your show, man. Thanks for giving me the space to share from my heart, share some of my stories, really, really good questions. And I'm glad I got a question on you too. <laughs> Yo, yeah, I, I appreciate it, man. It, it means so much. And, and for those listening in, before we go away, don't forget, we do have a PO app. Once again, the code is BLOB7, B-L-O-B, number seven, and that's in all caps. You should be able to type that in on the PO app app. You can get that on iPhone and Android. Um, yeah, it'll be a secret code starting Monday. And uh, PO app should probably sponsor me by this point because I shout them out every episode. So I'm going to talk to them soon. Uh but yeah, man, uh, thank you so much. And for everyone listening, I greatly appreciate it. This has been another episode of Sit Down with Sniper. And we had another illustrious guest, F-Dot. Um, tune in next week and we will have somebody new. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I hope you all have a great week.